We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome inside another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. It is game day here. Packers, Vikings, noon central kickoff time. My name is Nick Schmitz, and I am joined today by my friend and colleague, Tyler Grezegorek. Tyler, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. I can't wait to watch the Packers and Vikings get underway here in a little bit. I am very excited for it as well. This game has personal meaning to me. I grew up in Minnesota still a Packer fan, and there is nothing more in the world that I hate than losing to the Vikings because Viking fans can be very insufferable. Oh, so this is, this, this is a big game, and so let's start right with it. The big question coming into today's game, Aaron Rodgers, will he play? We know that he didn't practice throughout the entire week. Saturday, he practiced don't know exactly how much he practiced, what it was, whether he was a full participant, limited participant. The official word from the Packers coaching staff and trainers is that they are going to wait until right before kickoff to see how his leg is feeling. We fully expect him to start tower. You and I were talking before this. My personal opinion, he's going to play because if this was week 17 and the Packers were playing anyone, regardless of whether it's the Vikings and the Packers needed to win to get into the playoffs, he would be playing with the exact same injury. So I fully expect him to be out there. Do you, Tyler, expect him to play? And what do you expect to see from him if he, in fact, does play? 
So I do believe he's going to play, and I believe there's a couple of reasons for that. The first reason is the fact that it it's just Aaron Rodgers, and he is just a competitive guy, and he's not going to allow this coaching staff to hold him out of this game if he can at all control it. The second thing is the Vikings ended his season last year. There's got to be a personal personal touch to this game. He's got to be feeling the need for some vengeance. I I just I don't. He played last week. Yeah, he was hopped up on painkillers, or so it seemed. But he played last week, and he was effective. Maybe not as effective as he could be or should be, but he was effective from the pocket with that injury. You you would think that the injury would be getting better over the week and not getting worse. I think we'll see him play. I, if he does play, it might not be the same version of Aaron Rodgers that we are used to. But I think he'll be an effective version. And even a hobbled Aaron, even a hobbled Aaron Rodgers is better than thirty other quarterbacks in this league. So I, I, if he played, I wouldn't be concerned. I mean, obviously, he'd be concerned about the knee being re-injured, but I wouldn't be concerned about his performance uh, specifically. Yeah, and you know, I fully agree with you. I expect him to play as well. I wouldn't play him personally. Because it's only week two. I know fans don't want to hear that, and especially after the Vikings being the team that knocked them out last year, nobody wants to lose to them again. But the way I look at it, this division this year comes down to either Green Bay or Minnesota. After what we saw from the Bears last week, they're better, but I don't think they're going to be a contender for the division this year. And the Lions look like they could be one of the bottom five teams in the league. Not saying they're going to be, but they both look really bad. And due to that fact, Minnesota could almost, in a sense, win the division this week, even if they lose the game. If they are able to knock Aaron Rodgers out for eight weeks, the division is, in my opinion, gone. So I personally wouldn't play him. I understand why they want to play him. And, you know, we'll see in just a, in, in just a couple hours here. You know, I fully expect him to be on the field. But do you expect to see, Tyler, a lot of what they did in the second half last week, just quick passes, or do you think he's going to stand back there and try to throw deep? You know, I think you kind of have to. You can't – if you're going to play Rodgers, you have to plan around the fact that he's not going to be able to be as mobile as he can be, and you have to plan around the fact that this Vikings defense is going to be bringing the pressure. So I believe you will be seeing – this is operating under the assumption that Rodgers is playing. You'll be seeing a lot more screens, drag routes, slant routes, quick ins, quick outs, you know, things like that that are just going to get the ball out of Rodgers' hands quickly and not put this offensive line, which is actually one of my key matchups for this week, is this this entire offensive line versus this Vikings front, which is not going to put the offensive line under a lot of duress. Yeah, and, you know, so the Vikings defense last year was number one in the league. We know it's a very good front seven. I was very surprised last weekend against the Bears when he came back in that they, for the most part, from what I saw, did not do a lot of chip helping with tight ends or running backs. I was very surprised to see that they just let the offensive line, knowing that he was hurt, you know, pretty much go toe-to-toe with the Bears front seven. Do you expect to see a lot of chip help from tight ends or even the running backs this weekend? I mean, I said the same thing last week. Yes, I do. However, we didn't see any of that, and I don't know why. I mean, you've got Mercedes Lewis on the roster who is 
known around the league as a blocking tight end. And you've got other guys like Lance Kendricks who can be serviceable in that position, Jamal Williams who can be successful in the running back pass protection. And I would like to see that uh, versus the Vikings. Now, the offensive line as a whole, specifically Brian Bulaga and the right side of that line, Bakhtiari had the left side locked down as usual, but the right side of that line was struggling mightily against Khalil Mack and the rest of that Bears front seven, and they picked it up in the second half. So I don't know if that means they figured something out, somebody got on their tails and said, hey, you guys need to figure this out, or we're not going to be able to do anything. And I just, I want to see how this offensive line comes out against Minnesota. Is it going to be the first half that we saw against the Bears or the second half that we saw against the Bears? Because if it's the first half, the Packers could be in for a world of hurt. Absolutely. And so let's shift gears a little bit from Rodgers and the offensive line to something that I heard some people talking about this week. That was the fact that Jimmy Graham had, what, one or two catches last week? He was very not effective in the offense he he was he was out there quite a bit but he wasn't thrown to that much Mm -hmm. is there a reason why do you expect to see Rodgers looking his way more often this weekend well I'm glad you brought up Jimmy Graham because I think he is one of those key guys in this game that could really turn the tide and against Chicago he was open more often than not he was he was shedding his defender the reason that he did not get thrown to, I believe, is twofold. In the first half, Aaron Rodgers was under pressure, and it looked like Graham was running more of those long developing routes, much longer developing than a lot of the other receivers. Maybe that is just because Graham is slower, or you know, whatever it might be. It just looked like his route was taking a little bit longer to get open, but he was getting open. Uh, it, ju- it just had to go through the reads and develop and stuff. For the for the Vikings against the Niners, they gave up a lot of opportunities to the Niners tight end, George Kittle. He had a lot of opportunities down the field. Harrison Smith was struggling to cover him. And Eric Kendricks seemed to be a non-factor in coverage of Kittle. So, I, you know, those are the two guys I would key in on as the guys who are going to affect Graham's ability to affect this game. But they did struggle against Kittle. You know, maybe they ride the ship this week. But I think that Graham could potentially be the guy that turns the tide this week for this Packers team and ultimately leads them to victory. And so sticking with the with the wide receivers, I know we didn't talk about this pre-show, but I thought this was very interesting. From my recollection in the Bears game, the, the Packers right now, they have six active wide receivers. If you don't count Jimmy Graham as a wide receiver, you've got... Adams, Cobb, and Geronimo Allison as your starting three. And then the other three on the roster are all three rookies. And to my recollection, as far as playing offensive snaps, I don't think any one of those guys was on the field. Is there a reason for that? And do you expect to see more out of them today? Well, I think, you know, during the preseason, we could have forecasted this and looked at it like, yeah, These guys are going to make the roster, i.e. the rookies. They're going to make the roster, but they're not going to be impactful this year unless they're asked to step up in lieu of an injury or something like that. But you're, I mean, I think I wrote, I wrote an article about this a long time ago. Even Geronimo Allison is maybe the sixth, sixth target on the food chain for this team. And 
you know, because you've got guys like Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb who are perennial talents for this team, and you've got Jimmy Graham who is a matchup nightmare. You've got the three running backs. I mean, two right now. Aaron Jones comes back next week, but you got the two running backs right now. Montgomery, who was a, a wide receiver, so coming him coming out of the backfield is already putting pressure on defenses. And then you add Mercedes Lewis in there as well, a guy who can affect the game and in a blocking aspect and can run a route when you need him to there's a lot of ways that McCarthy and Philbin can create a certain sense of unbalance with the five or six guys that I just mentioned and the rookies they just I feel like right now they're all relatively raw and I believe the reason that they made this roster was to develop and not necessarily to be impactful this this year so I believe that with the five or six guys, the Packers will be fine. And obviously, if one of those guys goes down, one of these rookies might be asked to step up. But I believe they're fine right now with who they've got. All right, well, let's shift from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball. I know last weekend, everyone was kind of on Mike Pettin's case from what I saw. They weren't overly impressed with the defense. But when you really look back at the Bears game, Outside of that first drive, the defense didn't give up another touchdown throughout the entire game. And, you know, they didn't come up with any turnovers. I don't actually remember if Nick Perry's sack fumble at the end of the game was recovered by Chicago or whatnot. But Oren Burks, he was on the injury list all this week. He was a limited participant on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. His status for the game is questionable. Josh Jones, he did not participate at all this week. His status for the game is going to be out. And so what do you make of the defense? And the other thing is, is Kirk Cousins statistically, he's only played the Packers twice. And he's one and one. The Packers obviously beat him in the wild card playoff game in January of 2016. We all remember and would like to forget the Sunday night game from, I believe it was November of 2016, when he absolutely shredded the defense. Statistically, Kirk Cousins has kind of put the Packers' defense in their place. What do you make of the defense, and how big of an impact do you think Kirk Cousins is going to have on this Vikings offense? Yeah, so the defense did receive a lot of flack for their play on Sunday night, but like you said, if you take away even the first two drives, the first drive was a touchdown. You know, the Bears drove right down the field and scored a touchdown. Second drive, the Bears score, go down the field, you know, march down the field, and then they get a field goal. You take away the Mac in uh, the Mac interception for a touchdown. That is only seven, and then three field goals. You're looking at a total of 16 points allowed by this Packers defense on an offense that's supposed to be and, pretty prolific for the Bears. And that's and that's actually below the league average. The mm-hmm. league average for points in a game is about 21 points, so that's mm-hmm. five points below the average right there. Yeah, and historically, if you can allow 14, 15 points a game, 16 points a game, you're going to be in a pretty, pretty good position to win most times. And that's not even counting the Aaron Rodgers factor. When you add Aaron Rodgers in there... 16 points a game is absolutely nothing. So if if this defense can continue to perform at that level, I feel like they're going to do just fine against Minnesota. Kirk Cousins is still learning the system. That was evident against San Francisco. So he's still learning the system. He's slow. He's, re, he's going through his progressions not as quickly as he would hope to. I think that this defense will bring a lot of pressure. We saw a lot of exotic blitzes from Pettin on Sunday. 
and I feel like we'll see more of that. The Packers had three sacks. I feel like we could get the same number, if not more. This interior offensive line from Minnesota is not very good. Uh, Kenny Clark, Muhammad Wilkerson, Mike Daniels, I feel like they're going to have a heyday against these guys. The guy I'm concerned about on this offense is Dalvin Cook. If Oren Burks is not playing, I'm genuinely concerned about his ability out of the backfield and what he can do to this defense. Absolutely, yeah. And so when when you look at the the defensive matchup against the Vikings, is it more important, and obviously they're both important, it's part of playing defense, but is it more important for the Packers to be able to shut down the run and for, force Kirk Cousins to beat him through the air, or are you not as worried about stopping the run game and making sure that Kirk Cousins can't beat you through the air? Which one do you think is more important for the Packers to be able to do today? Well, I think we could see a flip of the script from last week where Patton threw six or seven defensive backs onto the field more than 60% of the time, which is unheard of. Like that, That is an insane number of... Uh, play calling frequencies to have a defensive that number of defensive backs on the field like that does not happen in the NFL I think we'll see a different type of game plan this week where they're going to actually make the Vikings run the ball Um, I feel like that is going to be what Pettin wants the Vikings to do because of the lack of talent on the offensive line the lack of lack of depth the injuries that they sustained and I think Kirk Cousins is a you know miles better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky at this point in their careers, and I would be more comfortable if I'm Mike Pettin allowing the Vikings to run the football and beat me that way than I would allowing Kirk Cousins to beat me through the air, especially with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen out there on the edge. Absolutely. So I want to get to two more things before we wrap up here. So the first thing we know that. Clay Matthews did not have a good game last weekend against the Bears. And I've seen a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people saying that, you know, they should cut him. And I was all for that had they lost because of that penalty at the end of the game. Mm. Beyond that, a lot of people have been saying that Reggie Gilbert should be starting this weekend ahead of Clay Matthews, if for nothing more than to see what Gilbert can do and maybe it lights a, a fire under Matthews but to, you know today I fully agree sh- should he be the should he be starting a, and opposite Nick Perry as of right now Clay Matthews is not one of the top three maybe not even one of the top well I'm sorry he's not one of the top two maybe not even top three edge defenders on this team right now he played terribly against the Bears he played lazily he was doing Clay Matthews things in the idea of he was getting pressure on the quarterback, but he was like a second or two late. It's it's like the phrase, a day late and a dollar short. You know, it, that's that was the perfect explanation of Clay Matthews and his game on Sunday. And I think you can, excuse me, attribute it to, you know, a decline in physical ability, whether it's age, but that doesn't account for the lack of effort. And if you're not going to put forth your 100% effort for a team, you either, one, better be injured, and if you're that injured, you better get off the field. Or two, somebody needs to light a fire under your butt and get you out there and get you playing football like you used to. And I think starting Gilbert this week would be 
I think it would be a statement move from this coaching staff. McCarthy pulled Matthews uh, immediately after he made that play against As Aaron well he down. should have. Yeah, exactly. And if he hadn't pulled him, I would have been like, what are you doing, McCarthy? Like, get control of your team. But he pulled him. I don't know what's going on at practice, but I have to imagine that the coaching staff is not very happy with Clay Matthews. Mike Patton personally does not have any ties to Clay Matthews. The only person on the, left on this front office and coaching staff who really has a strong tie to Clay Matthews is Mike McCarthy. So we'll we'll see, I'm sure, something in the idea of a reprimand for Clay Matthews, whether it's a decreased snap count or even the loss of a starting job. But that just can't go – it can't go unsaid, unnoticed, unacknowledged. Something has to happen. Well, and so this is something interesting, and I I was thinking about this – As far as for today in the game plan and moving forward, we know that Reggie Gilbert, you know, he looks good, right? From what we've seen, he looks good. It's yet to be seen how good he can be and if it's just preseason or whatever. But we've the Packers we know right now do not have middle linebackers just due to injury. They are very thin at linebacker in the middle. And Clay Matthews has... Now, granted, he doesn't like to play in the middle. I I get that. But could we see the Packers utilize him as something instead of an edge rusher? You know, you see corners when they get up in their career and they can't necessarily run with the receivers as well. They move him to safety. Can't, could we take Matthews and move him to the middle and utilize him in that way and not necessarily have him as a pass rusher, but maybe just a a middle linebacker until they get more healthy. Is there any, is there any logic to that? Am I crazy? What do you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I've always been one of the advocates for moving him to inside linebacker. I was really impressed when they ran that experimental, whatever you want to call it a couple of years ago with Dom Capers and they played him there. I thought it went really well. And I, I honestly believe that is a position where Patton could really make full use of his abilities and maximize them period and I feel like at this point in his career if he's if he's unsuccessful off the edge if he's unable to handle that edge position anymore maybe he does need to explore a career uh, position change I am much more comfortable right now with Reggie Gilbert being in there than I am with Clay Matthews as far as an edge position I mean if you look at that game on Sunday night and you have that wheel route to Tariq Cohen and you have Clay Matthews in on that play Packers probably lose. So yeah. I, I'm looking at this. I would much rather have Reggie Gilbert right now. Granted, as one week. Maybe he's out of shape. I don't know. But if he's out of shape, that's on him as well. And he needs to get right because this team needs him. This team needs him to be a dominant force like it has been in the past. This team needs him to put up 10 sacks. So I think the, a statement needs to be made. I feel like if Gilbert were to start, I would not at all be surprised. I would probably cheer for it. I think maybe also they do need to explore moving Matthews to inside. All right. Well, so depending on when you're listening to this, it could be hours from kickoff. Maybe it's minutes from kickoff. Tyler, before we wrap up here, I want you to give me your takes from both teams. Obviously, excluding Aaron Rodgers, because we know that Aaron Rodgers is always the key factor to a Packers victory. Excluding Aaron Rodgers, what do the Packers need to do to get a win today? Ultimately, they need to create turnovers. The Packers' offense, regardless of whether Rodgers is in there or not, is going to have a hard day. It's going to be it's going to be a tough time trying to score on this Vikings defense. It's one of the best in the league, if not the best. 
this Packers defense, like they did against the Bears, is going to have to be a crux for this team. And they're going to have to cause turnovers. They're going to have to stop Cousins and Cook and Diggs and Thielen. And they're going to have to get the ball back in Rodgers' hands and give him as many opportunities as possible. It's like the lottery. You keep throwing you keep throwing opportunities and entries out there. You hope in one sticks. And with Rodgers, the probability is pretty good that one's going to stick every now and then. So the more opportunities he gets to put the ball in the end zone, the better for this team. All right. And the Vikings, what's their key to victory if they're going to win today? Huh. Without without considering Rodgers, let's see here. I think you're looking back at... Because, you know, when you look at the offense, everything flows through Rodgers. The Packers offense, that is. And when I one of the keys to victory that I wrote about in my article for NFL Analysis Network was the Packers need to establish a running game. And the Packers need to establish a running game so that they can keep pressure off of Rodgers. They can keep the defense off balance. So from the Vikings' perspective... They need to stop the running game and they need to force Aaron Rodgers into situations where he's trying to make plays off of that bad that bad knee. Um, so they need to stop the running game and kind of make the Packers' offense one-dimensional. And if they can do that, they're probably going to be pretty successful on Sunday. All right, so who you got and what's the score? So this is a really tough one. Um, it is. Uh, because I feel like the Packers' defense has vastly improved from the last time these two teams met. I, I think it's a close one. I'm going to go 24-21 Minnesota. 24-21 Minnesota. I will punt on this, and I will I will take Green Bay 28-21, to presuming that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers does not get knocked down in the game. Yes. If he goes out, I think we can all agree, you probably don't even need to play the game from, there, from that point on. But I will take the Packers if Aaron Rodgers does indeed play today and if he can stay healthy today. That is all the time we have for a pregame show. Tyler, you are doing Monday's, the podcast for Monday. Is that correct? You're going to be breaking down all the assets of the game post-game, correct? Yeah, we're doing the game review with uh, my regular co-host, Mike Wendland. All right. And Tyler, how can people follow you if they want to get in touch with your work? So you'll find me on Twitter. Uh, that's at Tyler underscore Grez, T-Y-L-E-R underscore G-R-E-Z. Always posting stuff. I post all my articles there, so make sure you're jumping on there. I wrote I I wrote a little passion piece the other day about the Packers' comeback, a little bit of storytelling. Um, make sure you go check that out. I really put a lot of work into it, and I loved it, and I loved the way it came out. So I would love for you to go check that out. All right, and as always, I am Nick Schmitz. Enjoy the game, everyone. Go Pack Go. Let's keep Aaron Rodgers healthy. Go Pack Go. Snap to A-Rod, looking around and waiting. Loves it. Deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone. Makes a spectacular catch. Did he hang on? Touchdown! What a throw and what a catch. They beat Kyle Fuller. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Gerard. Snap to Rodgers under a blitz. Rodgers tight pocket steps up, throws the left, got Devontae inside the 10, has big touch left to the 5, reaches Pylon, and touchdown! Oh, what a play by Devontae Adams! Snap to A-Rod, rushes on, has time. Looking through the middle, got it there! Break his ring to the 50, he may go all the way to the 20 down the right side! Right up top, to the 
Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.